Over the weekend, an Abercrombie & Fitch advertisement caught my eye, and it got me thinking about how our government has made it very clear during COVID that diet and exercise weren't really that important, and yet obesity is one of the comorbidities of COVID-19. Hi, I'm Julie Barrett, and you're listening to the Woman's Blaining Podcast. I'm also the founder of Conservative Ladies of Washington. We are a group of like-minded ladies and gentlemen here in the state of Washington. We're working hard to advance the conservative movement in a very deep blue state. We're working to elect conservative candidates, to educate and empower Washington citizens, to get up, speak up, stand up, and take action to make positive change in this state and beyond. And if you're not in Washington state, I've got great news. We are going to be expanding to a national platform, Conservative Ladies of America, in the very near future. So stay tuned for that. Well, today's topic is really um, close to my heart. I spent most of my adult life, over 20 years, in the health and fitness industry. I owned a gym. I was a personal trainer. I was a fitness and nutrition coach. I even trained people for bodybuilding competitions and was a competitive bodybuilder myself for eight years after having four children, including a set of twins. So I'm very interested in health and fitness still, and it's always been and always will be a way of life for me. I work out every day. I love my Peloton. I eat pretty healthy, but I'm not tied to my diet like I used to be. And one of the things that I really coached people to do was to be able to live with uh, a nutrition plan that they could practice for the rest of their life. So what I mean by that is not dieting per se, where, you know, some one of the things that I don't know if it's still trendy, but for a while it was really trendy uh, was if it fits your macros and people would count um, their macros and you could eat anything provided that it hit your macros, which is your which is your grams of protein, fat and carbohydrates. And so let's say you could have a pop tart as long as it fit within your daily macronutrient requirements, even though we know that a Pop-Tart doesn't have the same nutritional value as, say, a chicken breast with brown rice or something like that. So I was never really a fan of macros because of that reason. But when you're dieting for a competition, you have to pay really close attention to your nutrition, to your macros, and to your calories to make sure that you are you have everything dialed in properly to get your body fat down to the level that you need it to be able to step on stage and be competitive. But for most people, just your general person who wants to live a healthy fit lifestyle, you don't want to be tied to counting calories, counting macros, that sort of thing. So I always coached people to pick a way of eating that you can live with for life. And so that's kind of how I live my life now. I eat healthy for the most part, but I don't really restrict myself and, you know, have, I don't even really call them cheat meals anymore. I just, when I want something that, you know, is a little less healthy, I just, I just have it. And it's all about balance, right? And, and being active and for the most part eating healthy and, and not overdoing the junk food. So I would still consider myself a fitness enthusiast and kind of a health nut, but I'm definitely not overboard. But when I see things like this Abercrombie & Fitch ad that I saw over the weekend, it really caught my eye because what you've got, and I'll put a link to this photo in the notes, but you've got this very overweight woman who is wearing 
uh, Daisy Duke cut off shorts with a tank top and belly hanging out. And, you know, I'm all about body positivity and love your body and um, not shaming people because they're overweight. But I also am not in the camp that we need to promote fat acceptance. I don't think promoting fat acceptance is a positive thing to do. And here's why. Being obese is not healthy. There are a number of problems that come along with obesity. First of all, just the like the fact that you can't move around. You're not as agile when you are carrying extra weight. Even like myself, if I, you know, I went through a time where I gained an extra 20 or 30 pounds and I just didn't feel right. I couldn't move around as easy. I got tired faster and it just didn't feel good to me as to when I'm at my ideal weight and I really can move better. I feel better. I have more energy. When you're carrying extra weight, you're putting a lot of pressure on the joints. Uh, you've got risk of diabetes, you've got risk of heart problems. It's just not healthy. And for most of my life, for as long as I can really remember until the last few years, it was promoted by doctors and other organizations and fitness people and in education in schools to be healthy and to be at a healthy weight and not be overweight and obese. I mean, there have been campaigns for decades to prevent childhood obesity. And we've seen with the shift in uh, our foods that are available to people, there's a whole lot more fast food and junk foods and processed foods and foods that just aren't healthy and that uh, lead to obesity. These things are much readily available and they're much more affordable. So people who don't have as much money or who are on a tight budget, think of the single mom. I was a single mom for 10 years with four kids. When you're on a tight budget, you can go to the store and get the sale items are the junk food, the cheap things, the processed garbage that leads to obesity. The fruits and vegetables and the whole foods, are always more expensive. So you kind of see where there's sort of a class issue when it comes to eating healthy. But it's always been promoted to eat fruits and vegetables, to eat protein and whole foods, not processed foods. But yet over the last few years, I have noticed that this is not a big deal. And especially with COVID, obesity being one of the comorbidities of COVID, you would have expected that the government would be promoting health and fitness. Like when you go get your COVID shot, you get a donut or a beer, or uh, I think in some places it might've been Washington, maybe it was Oregon, but they were giving like weed or something like that in exchange for COVID shots. And instead, why couldn't they have done something like a gym membership or a discounted gym membership or something like that. Like Planet Fitness is 10 bucks a month. Give people one month free at Planet Fitness, but they didn't do that. And that should make us question, why has the government abandoned being healthy in favor of this whole idea of fat acceptance? Well, I think it goes along with all of the identity politics that we are seeing in our country today. Now, we know a lot about the privilege and oppression, the wheel of power and privilege that we see in schools, and they're using it in corporations for their gender and diversity training. Well, this also goes with fat and thin. 
So thin people have what is called thin privilege. What exactly is thin privilege? This is from a goodhousekeeping.com article. Link will be in the notes. Thin privilege represents all the social, financial, and practical benefits a person gets because they are thin or in a relatively smaller body. Like all forms of privilege, the person who has it may not realize they have any advantage because it's simply normal for them to, say, not have to think about whether they can fit between tables in a tiny bistro, whether their size clothing will be readily available, or whether they can eat in public without being stared at. Public spaces and furniture, chairs, benches, tables, busts, and theater seats are designed with smaller people in mind, and we wrongly judge each other by body size and shape as if it were a measure of a person's moral success or failure. This is why we can't talk about thin privilege without talking about fat phobia. For years, leaders in the fat acceptance and body liberation movements like the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance have been calling attention to the fact that people in larger bodies are harshly marginalized in our communities. Studies have shown that those considered obese are bullied, discriminated against in the job market, and receive lower quality medical care. Now, I want to pause for a minute and say, I once did an experiment, this was maybe 10 or 11 years ago, when I was competing. So when you're competing in bodybuilding, you have your on-season and your off-season body. An off-season body is quite a bit softer. You're eating a little bit more liberally. You're not carrying as much body fat. You're not doing as much cardio. You're not working out as hard. So you've put on maybe, you know, you could do like 20, 30 pounds from your uh, stage weight. That is not abnormal for a bodybuilder to walk around in the off season 20, 30 or more pounds over their stage weight. And I did this, I called it a social experiment because I was curious how would people treat me differently when I was at my stage weight. So I just, it wasn't, I called it an experiment just because I was paying more attention to the way I was being treated. And keep in mind, I'm single at this time that I'm taking in this mental experiment And sure enough, as I started leaning out, losing weight, getting closer to my competition, people started paying more attention to me. Men started talking to me more, coming up to me in the gym when I was working out. I couldn't work out without being interrupted when I was getting to that lean stage look. But when my off-season weight, I had no problem being left alone by people in the gym. And it wasn't just men. I mean, women would come up and talk to me. A lot of people would ask me questions about my training. But the takeaway that I have from that isn't necessarily that people, uh, obviously men are attracted to a certain body type. Most men, um, and I think women too. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now that I would not be attracted to an obese man. And I just, that looks to me, it looks unhealthy. I just don't find it attractive. I mean, that's just my two cents on that. That's just my personal opinion. And a lot of men feel that way about women. And I do agree there is some misperception in our society about fat people. And I think that sometimes there are good reasons for it. But there are also reasons that are within someone's control that are, you know, they don't make very good food choices. They don't exercise. And sometimes it gets to the point where they kind of get to a size where it makes it really difficult for them to even move around. So you kind of get to sort of this point of 
not no return, but you get to a point where it's really difficult for them to even move around until they are able to make those food choices that help that weight come off so that they can start training and start getting active and and do more exercise that's going to help the rest of that weight come off. There is for sure a, a perception in this in our society that fat people are lazy. And I think that's a false perception. I don't think fat people should be shamed just as I don't think thin people should be shamed. I think that people need to be loved for who they are, for where they are, and what's going on inside can be, we don't know. We don't know what's leading someone to be uh, anorexic, just like we don't know what's leading someone to be obese. So we do need to be loving and compassionate towards everybody. That does not mean that we need to promote unhealthy bodies and obese bodies are unhealthy bodies. I don't care how politically incorrect that is. That is a fact. Obesity is unhealthy. Obese people have more medical problems. They don't have as long life expectancy. They are at greater risk of COVID-19. So I saw the ad on Saturday and then yesterday was the VMA awards and Lizzo Um, who is, if you're not aware, she's a very overweight, obese song artist, I guess. I don't, I have never listened to her music, to be quite honest. But Lizzo has a line of athletic clothes with Fabletics. And Lizzo also did a series of classes with Peloton. And this was actually several months ago that, that this happened. But that sparked my kind of just got my attention because I was thinking, well, that's kind of weird. Why are we having this obese woman on Peloton, you know, promoting these classes? And I mean, that's great. Like everybody should ride a bike and all of that. Um, And obviously these overweight people need to have fitness clothes, cute fitness clothes for sure. Um, But I think that we've gotten to a point where, you know, judging by this Abercrombie and Fitch ad and it was a carousel ad so you could flip through several different photos and there were a couple thin people and then there were a couple of overweight people which is good I mean everybody needs to buy clothes but what it made me think about is how we have moved from body acceptance to really being more of promoting overweight obese bodies and kind of a mentality of this is who I am. This is how I am. And you have to accept me this way. And it plays into this identity politics of privilege and oppression by saying that people who are thin have thin privilege. Well, that's not exactly true. I mean, yes, you definitely don't have to get a seatbelt extender on the airplane. You can fit in between those tables. You can move around much easier than someone who's carrying a lot more weight. That is a fact. Is that privilege? Or is that just that we're in a healthy body and therefore we can move about society easier? Do we want to make everything supersized for people who are obese? I don't think that's the right approach. And this whole idea of thin privilege is to make people who are thin feel ashamed of being thin. Because if you're thin, then you have privilege and that must make you an oppressor. And I feel that this is the wrong way to go. Back when I was deep in the fitness industry and I was putting out a lot of stuff on social media about fitness, I would do, you know, because I was coaching, I did a lot of fitness tips. I did a lot of nutrition tips and really trying to inspire people to get healthy and to live a healthy life and a fit life. And there was a huge community of fitness 
experts, fitness professionals, whatever you want to call them, of people trying to inspire people to set goals to be healthy, to eat healthier, to work out more, to give people ideas and tools and tips and to have this community of support to live a healthy lifestyle. This whole idea of fat acceptance and thin privilege is to silence one group of people and empower another group of people. And we are trying to empower this idea that obesity is fine. Obesity should be loved. Obesity should be accepted. This is unhealthy. The people that are promoting this know that it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy like it's unhealthy to teach your children that they can be any gender that they want. It's unhealthy to give children gender-changing hormones. It's unhealthy to cut off children's body parts. This is the same sort of thing. And you have one group of people that's like the puppet master playing the puppet strings and teaching people what they want them to know. This whole idea of fat acceptance, and I I do believe that everyone should love their body. If you're hating your body, you're never going to make the changes it's going to take to get healthy. And so regardless if you're, you know, if your unhealthiness is because you're either too thin or too overweight, you've got to love your body. You've got to love yourself enough to make the changes to become healthy. But the messaging that I see is very similar to the messaging that we see on the LGBTQ side of things, the CRT side of things with the racial oppression, the, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of this body image stuff all fits in with all of that stuff. And it doesn't stop until we stop it. It doesn't stop until we say, you know what, I'm not going to buy clothes at Amber, Crombie and Fitch because I just don't want to go along with that. I mean, we've come from the skinny Victoria's Secret models to now we have these obese models. Where did we go? Like, where's the in-between? Why can't we have just a normal, healthy looking body in between that that's modeling these clothes? So one of the things that I have done, um, you know, depending on the company, there have been companies that have gone in several different directions. Like um, I stopped shopping at Victoria's Secret. I stopped shopping at some of these companies that have men wearing women's clothes. I just, that's not interesting. You know, that's, I'm not interested in supporting that. I want some sort of normalcy. And until people, till regular people like you and me just start standing up and saying, you know what, we're not going to play this weird game with you. Demanding some sort of normalcy, just like we wouldn't accept promoting anorexia. We can't accept promoting obesity either. And I think it's really important, especially if you're a parent and you have children who are at that influential age and and looking for role models and people to look up to, it's really important that we speak up and we speak out and we talk to our kids, have these conversations with our kids and have these conversations with other people and promote promote things that are healthy, whether it's body, mind, emotional, spiritual. We need to be sending out better messages than what these big corporations and our government and our political elites want to be sending to us. So just wanted to share my thoughts with you on that today. I thought that um, it was really unfortunate that we're seeing this in our society right now. The pendulum certainly swung from Victoria's Secret to Lizzo. And uh, it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. But as someone who cares deeply about health, fitness, nutrition, uh, I hate to see this going on because I think that there's such a better quality of life that is out there for people. And I just encourage 
you, whatever your body type is, is, is strive to be, strive to be healthy, strive to feel good. And, um, you know, the, the most important thing is that you feel good in your body. And I know at least for me personally, when I'm carrying a lot of extra weight, I don't really feel good in my body. So those are the things that we need to be encouraging people to do is, is feel good in their body. And, and when you look good, um, you tend to feel better. So my two cents on that, and I'm going to leave it there for today. I've got links for all this stuff that I referenced in the show notes. And as per usual, if you've got a topic idea that you would like me to discuss on an upcoming episode, I would love to hear from you. All of my contact info is in the notes. I look forward to chatting with you again next time.